Hello and welcome. This is Yannick. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you have reached the Two Beers Please podcast. I'm joined always by my good friend with the most unique name in the world, Mr. Mathifer Svithifer. How are you doing today, my friend? Dude, it's it's Matthew Phillips now. We're yeah, making the Matthew. we're making the, right. the professional change. It's happening. I'm just I have to. I feel like people are always just like, well, how are you going to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's hardest on me. I can tell you that, but I got to do it. Matthew Phillips. That's who I am, and I'm. I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing all good. right, you know. Good, good to hear, man. Yeah. Uh it's good to be back in this new week, in this crazy week uh uh in sports and in the world really. And so uh we're happy to be talking sports. We're happy to be uh back at it and there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, divisional play got underway and was completed. Lots of injuries. Let's go. Matt obviously had a good result. He'll be talking about that later. He had two good results. He had a good weekend. Matthew Matthew had a good weekend. I did. <laughs> I, and I even said, I remember I was like, if the Packers win, I'll be I'll just be happy no matter what. But if I can get, you know, Packers, Hawkeyes, and at least a, a draw for Man U, I'll be I'll be pretty content. So I'm gonna bitch about how my betting went later, but I, I'm probably just becoming a greedy sports fan at that point because all three of my teams did pretty solid. There you go. You can, you know, as a sports fan who also bets, you can never be satisfied. And and does and does fantasy sports? There's no satisfaction. It's just all pain. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, lots to talk about. Some things less savory than other to talk about. And we'll get to that. But as always, follow us on Instagram. Follow us at Facebook on Twitter. Instagram is two beers please underscore podcast. Facebook's just as it sounds. And Twitter is the number 2BP underscore podcast. Uh, you can also find us uh, on any podcast platform that you listen to, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow us, rate us, review us, shout it out to the crowd. Put on a boombox in the street and just have people listen. I'm cool with that. Uh, that's actually really cool if you do that. I, I would love that. Um, like say say anything, little John, John Cusack thing. I feel like I feel like our voices would be like a good seduction tactic, like talking sports. Oh, yeah, That's, <laughs> like <laughs> you know what? That'll be our first podcast commercial. We'll recreate the John Cusack "Say Anything" Peter Gabriel song. I don't know whose like window we'll be outside of, but that's what that's what we're gonna do. And commercial that'll be team, our- get it together. Start working on it. Yeah. Why are you guys sitting around Shit. watching us? Shit. That's like, us. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. We'll talk, we'll talk. I love talking about, um, and I'm going to sound cocky here, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to be cocky. Uh, we'll talk about being our own production team as long as we can, because one day it won't be like that. And then you guys will know, and then we'll be even bigger bitches about it. And that's just how the, that's just how the wheel goes. So that's uh, how success works. (laughs) There you go. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get to it. We're starting off this podcast with a segment We've done before, uh, but I'm bringing back because of uh, of an interest I had in it. It's called The Term Explained, and this is where uh, we talk to you about sports terms that you might not know what they mean, and, or we might not know what they mean, and so we uh, research them and talk about them. And today, I decided, Matthew, to bring to the table the word arbitration in baseball, um, because I've been seeing so many... So many players like have reached arbitration with their team. And I'm like, what, what is that? What have avoided arbitration is what, what does that mean? And so uh, I decided to look it up because I, you know, I didn't know, really know what it meant. I, I figured, it, you know, contract disputes definitely uh, had something to do with it, but really didn't know. So in 1974, the MLB introduced what is now known as baseball arbitration. Basically means if an eligible player's representative and the club ownership cannot reach a compensation agreement through negotiation, each party enters a final submission, and during a formal hearing, each side, player and management, presents its case, and then a designated panel of arbitrators choose one of the salary bids with no other result being allowed. So basically, they have to reach this agreement with each other because the other alternative is they give their case and they either get picked or don't get picked. So it's kind of like a, a prisoner like accepting a plea bargain because it's like, I mean, you can go to trial, but it might not go the way you want. So I think it's really funny. And I it's it's, you know, I I, I think it's really interesting that baseball does it that way. Yeah, I uh I mean, as I mentioned before, coming from a family of well, half doctors, half lawyers, um, am familiar with arbitration and stuff, but it is it is interesting to just even just like the terms, not even of just sports, but like baseball, because we see it far more like 
the player union in baseball and stuff like no no other owners in no other leagues would even allow that to be like something like i know it's it there it's not like the players have the entire power there because there is the arbitrator uh or arbitrators who make up their mind on on the dispute but like no other league would even allow that to be a part of their league but the players union in baseball is strong I know nothing about the legal system, so that's why I didn't even know about arbitration. Like, I feel, I feel as though I, I, I don't know anything. I, I honestly, anytime someone's like, "That's legal," or like, "That could get this many years," or anybody, the the most I could do in court would be like, "I object, Your Honor," and I want to say it like that, and then they'll be like, "What?" and then I'll be like, "I just, I, I object to what he's saying. I don't like it." <laughs> Courts, courts are very like weird thing, and our, our like our court system's weird. Like I think a lot of times, like even in the George Floyd like case, uh, like a lot of the like defense attorneys or what the defense was going to be saying for the cops and those things, like people are like, "Oh, can you believe they're doing that?" And like, well, yeah, like, like that's their job, and like they have they have to fight it in some way. So like I think sometimes people take things in like the the court of law far more like personal and stuff than they like probably should, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm. It always looks so dramatic, and uh, and uh, I love watching law shows. I just don't know how any of it. Were. It seems it's probably more complicated. I remember the first time I talked. I was like, I said something to my mom when I was younger about being like, oh, I'd like to be a lawyer. Like, I like how they walk around and do this. And like, I. I think we were probably even watching like Chicago, like some you know, even more absurd legal thing. And my mom was like, court is not like that. It's it's not nearly as fun as TV and film would have you believe. And I've gotten to watch like my brother do a few of his uh, cases. And like, it's cool to see, but it's it certainly is like, I'm like, yeah, this is way more just like, all right, now let's go through the proceedings. And then, then we do this and this while uh, court and TV and movies is, is much more fun. Uh, there you go. Well, until un- until I-, I witness it myself, I'm just going to assume that it's as fun as it seems on TV. Hey, uh, I- ignorance is bliss, right? That's what I'm saying. Ignorance is bliss. I object, Your Honor. All right. How are we, <laughs> how are we feeling, Matthew? How are we feeling today? Have you, ever, I have, to, have you ever seen A Time to Kill? No, I haven't. Okay. Watch it. Uh, or re- I mean, now you have to watch it. It's a John Grisham book and then was made into a movie. And there's a line in it with Samuel Jackson. He's like, Yes, I think he deserves to die, and I hope he burns in hell. And it's <laughs> the greatest line. And of course, since it's Samuel Jackson, it's like the most amazing line delivery. Um, I had I had to bring that up before. I'm doing well. I'm doing. Thank you, thank you for asking, Yannick. But I had to share my my favorite, one of my favorite movie quotes. So if anybody hasn't seen *The Time to Kill*, go watch it. But doing well. Uh, certainly dealing with the negative effects of, of the pandemic. Pretty pretty hard right now. You know, it's it comes in waves. We're like. For a bit, you're like, ah, I'm doing fine. And then for a couple of days, you're like, you know, this really, really fucking sucks. This is, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this at all. But some MLK Day basketball certainly helped. Uh, I'd be doing a lot better. Like I said, I said I was going to bitch about my bets if the damn Louisville Cardinals had won on Saturday, but they shit the bed against Miami, lost me $200. Oh, and what's, God. and what's even worse, Yannick, is because I could have cashed out and won about like $80. But I was like, no, nah, Louisville's going to beat Miami. I'm not going to leave 100. It's worth it to risk it for $120 more. They didn't. So then I had a hockey bet. I think I had like $12 down. I would have won 50 bucks. And they were cashing me out at like $3 because the Wild were down 3-1 to one in the third period. And the Knights were down 1-0 in the third period. And I was just like, whatever. Just give me $3 back. I, it's, I already just had my heart broken. And then the Wild and the Knights came back. So I cashed out for $3 for basically nothing when I would have ended up winning the bet and winning 50 more. So uh, a very lucrative Saturday slipped through my fingers and I'm, I'm still kicking myself for it. Oh man, you know, this makes me so jealous though, because I, I as you guys know, if you've been listening, I, I am back in New York and New York hasn't gotten its shit together with Draft, Draft, DraftKings Sportsbook yet. So I have not been betting and it's it's eating at me a little bit. I'm going to have to find some loophole around it somehow. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what I can do. But uh, you are allowed to bet. You just you have to go in person to the place. You can't do it on an app. That's like the thing. And I'm like, that's so frustrating. Too much that's yeah, too much I don't, don't want to go bet. anywhere. I want to waste my money with the press of a button. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to exactly. go there 
and think about the repercussions. That's terrible. Yeah, I'm having to get I'm having to get on the subway or get into a car and go to a casino and then like all that stuff. By the time I'm there, I'm like, no, this probably I probably shouldn't throw away this money. But when I can just boop boop here, take all my money, DraftKings. There you go. Uh, yeah, but I'm glad you're doing well. I, I feel you about the pandemic. It it feels like you're. I feel like I'm in a toxic relationship. You know that like it's been going on that long, where it's like you you're so used to it that you are like, oh, this is I'm used to this shit. Like the pain is really gone. But then every day you wake up and you do feel shitty for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like, you know, and your friends are like, it's a, it's a great analogy. That's there's some good saying. there's some good times too. Like there's times where I'm at, at home and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is nice to have this extra time with my my parents and my family and stuff. And, and but then the the toxic relationship will come back and that's well put. Right. And then and then you know, you're having a good day and you're like, you know, maybe it isn't that bad and then your friends remind you it's like, remember how 80,000 people are dead? And I'm like, right. Forgot about that for a second. Oh god. Remember how you haven't worked in like a year and yeah, things okay. are just pretty shitty yeah it's uh yeah covid we're breaking up with you Co- soon don't you worry you're we're leaving you <laughs> we're never i hope back. so i'm ready yeah out with covid in with carolina i can't wait to meet her she's gonna be great anyway um i don't know why that's the name i picked but uh, i like it though i uh, <laughs> i do too she sounds I, saucy she sounds saucy all right speaking of saucy let's go down to the local pub matthew what are we drinking today well, I always drink my Blonde Fatale from Peace Tree, so I wanted to do a different Peace Tree beer. Uh, it's a brewery, brewery in Knoxville, Iowa, but they have they have like a, I think it's like a mini or it's like it might just be a full brewery now in downtown Des Moines as well. But I went with I think this is one of their first beers. It's called the Red Rambler. It's an American Red Ale. Uh, the brewery the the brewery that's in Knoxville, the original one, was in an old Nash Rambler car dealership. So they named the beer after that, and then there's even like a nice little Nash Rambler on the bottle. Uh, a very, very rich, malty kind of flavor to it, and then it also just has this like great red coloring to it since it's a, a red ale. So a very good beer. Beer. It's uh, it's got some nice, nice weight to it, if if you know what I mean. So one more time, what's the name? Because I'm I'm compiling the names in a master list here. It's Peace Trees Red Rambler. Pete, I love that name, man. That's such a good. It's name. so good. The Red Rambler. Oh, man. It sounds like a Snoopy drink. Like Snoopy, that's what he drinks when he's on his little house. <laughs> oh, boy. Getting uh, turnt. Getting turnt. You know, he, he has to. You know, with Charlie Brown and his antics, he's just like, I can't yeah. even deal with this. But For real. <laughs> can't even, Snoopy's, I, of a, Snoopy's of age. Snoopy's absolutely of age. He's like, he's in his mid fifties. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> he's good. He's, uh, old as, he's old as shit at this point. <laughs> He is just laying there and drinking. Like <laughs> Woodstock died years ago. He's just hallucinating at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys still coming up to me with all your problems? You're grown ups. Leave me alone. <laughs> just stop trying to drink some beer. Put me out, old yeller style, or leave me the hell alone. <laughs> oh God, that's terrible. Where did we start yeah. talking about we dog? Just killed, we just killed Snoopy. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I am back to drinking on the show. I know there's been a couple episodes. I, uh, my, my good friend, Margaret Carell, um, listened to the podcast for the first time the other day and she said it sounded great. And she's not really, um, she's a San Francisco Giants fan, which is like, are you into sports then? I'm not really sure. No, I'm kidding. If you're listening to this, it's fun. Um, but she, (laughs) she was listening to the episode the other day and she was like, yeah, it's called Two Beers, Please, and you keep not drinking beer. What's your problem? And I was Thank like, Thank you. I love this person. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's great. And so she uh, has inspired me. So just for proof, Matt's going to see it too. I have my six-point brewery option back on the thing. Uh, did a different one today. It's called the Alpen Flow. Um which is, I don't even need proof. You can lie. You can lie to me. You and Gianic. I don't know if you know this. You can lie to all of the listeners. They have no idea if we have a beer in our hand or not. Well, it's it's the integrity for me. All right, it's the integrity for me. <laughs> Fuck integrity. <laughs> but uh, I'm just gonna. I like with the six point. They always have these nice descriptions, so I'm gonna read it. Alpenflow is a hundred percent barley malt with hops sourced directly from family farms in Bavaria and brewed in horizontal tanks with absolutely nothing to Hell fizzle yeah. it out. We're talking about the exact right conditions to create a bright, beautiful beer. 
Love that. Let's get the classic. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, wow. That's really good. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's really good. Alpen Flow. I love these cans. I love the different varieties of Six Point. They could come out with a different beer and just have it be a different color, and I drink it every day of the week. Um, so happy for that. Uh, yeah. But uh, Alpen Flow, if you haven't tried it, Alpen Flow from Six Point Brewery, very good and New York based. Yeah, I, I just love to, like, I mean, I think we said it before, but, like, New York, of course, has a ton of breweries. Even Des Moines has a ton of, like, just, like, the, the amount of local beers that you can get now, uh, like, no matter where you're at, is pretty awesome. I think it's funny that, like, there's always, like, these, like, even the, the Red Rambler one I was reading the description earlier, and I was like, I don't really know what some of this language means. Like, it's it's become to the point, like, with wine where they're like, and it has this very great airy sort of rock taste to it i'm like what the hell are you talking about just is is it good or not right exactly rocky what is, do you do you think i like to taste rocks are you saying i like the sweat of a philadelphia boxer what are you trying to say to me right now what are you what are you trying to say to me seems like an odd flavor for my drink but okay. yeah okay whatever you say i'm gonna drink it regardless all right yeah. Leaving the pub, let's go to the sports talk. Let's warm it up with a little Hawk talk. We're talking our Iowa Hawkeyes in all sense of the word. Obviously, Hawkeye men's basketball back up to four after a win against Northwestern this weekend, 96-73. to 73. Uh, You know, it was a good team win, Matthew. Garza, Wieskamp, Frederick, Bohannon, Nunji, all in the double digits. So uh, really good to see a contribution there. Obviously, Garza with another double-double. He's still... Uh, you know, very much on track. He's first in the nation with 26.9 points per game. Still very much the dominant scorer that he is. I do have a question, though. <clears throat> I, I want to talk about Connor McCaffrey for a second. Connor McCaffrey is averaging 3.2 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, and 4.4 assists, and he's getting 22 minutes per game. And every time I see him on the floor, the announcer has something to say about Oh, but it's it's more than his stats that he brings to the game. You know, it's his hustle, and and I just I don't know if I believe that. Do you? I mean, do you think Connor McCaffrey deserves to be getting this many minutes the way he's playing? Yeah, I'm a huge Connor fan. I actually think Connor should shoot more, but uh, I do agree with what that he said. Like, I I think I I think Connor. I mean, I guess you could probably argue Luca, but I I would say Connor has the <laughs> highest basketball IQ on our team. He just brings kind of a calming presence. Uh, he's easily the best passer. He he is he'll take defensive assignments that like he's not great on defense, but he, he's willing to put himself in some uncomfortable positions as a defender, um, even guarding guys you know down low in the post. So I think Connor Connor does Connor is like he's not really described as a glue guy, but that's what he is uh, because he's like the coach's son. You don't normally see them as like being that sort of hey, let me just do whatever little dirty work. But I, I think Connor doesn't get near the amount of of love. That, that he deserves because we don't really have a true, like Bohannon's not a point guard. Toussaint is probably more of a point guard than Bohannon, but not in the true sense. Like, like Connor's really the only one that like, if you're going to slow it down, go into a half court offense and really run an offense, he's the only one that I really trust as being a point guard. So I think he just brings a different sort of element to the team. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, I love Connor. Yeah, I just <clears throat> you brought up Toussaint. I love Toussaint. Toussaint's like one of my unsung heroes, and I love his hustle. So I, in my head, and I just see when Toussaint comes in the game, I do feel like he contributes a little more. But uh, again, I I will say this. I'll be very honest about this. Like I'm still learning, you know, basketball past the stats. You know what I mean? Like at first, you get used to the high scores or the good players, and then you're getting the sisters and the defenders. And I'm still learning. Like what is it like in soccer? You know, like midfielders never have the stats, but we're all very clear about that. They're some of the best players you know, that play the game. So I, I am still getting used to that. So, uh, yeah, it was good to hear from you that that's a thing that we agree on, uh, that, that people agree on. I mean, uh, about Connor. I think and I, I would say too, I think the biggest stat for Connor and it's something that he's been really good at his whole career is his assist to turnover ratio. It's 5.55 right now this year, which is third in the country that, I mean, that, ab- that ability to not only get the ball to your guys, and scoring positions, but not turning the ball over like at all is, I mean, that's just massive because it, it keeps you in your, in your flow. It doesn't give the other team easy points and stuff. So he, he, he brings, 
he brings an element that is it is tough to kind of certainly box score wise to really put a value on it but I think he does bring just a kind of a different sort of element to the team that that helps a lot right and I, I believe you know for someone who touches the ball as much as he does he's averaging like one turnover a game barely so I think that's really you know that's also indicative of hey he's good with the ball he's a smart guy yeah he has 11 turnovers this year in 14 games so not too that's bad pretty- not too bad. That's not too bad. I wish he would shoot more. Like I, like I, I know he doesn't have a great shot, but like so many times, teams are giving him the shot, and he makes it enough. Where I'm like, come on, shoot more. Give yourself a little more confidence. Like the more you shoot, the more you see it in, the more you're gonna think the next shot will go in. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he probably, yeah. He he just needs that confidence a little bit, probably. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, I think that would be a great new dimension to Iowa is if he learned how to shoot that ball a little more especially since uh, Gars is so keyed in on uh, and Wieskamp is getting more keyed in on as well uh, as the season goes on. Uh, Hawkeye women's basketball, they're also doing pretty decent. They're 9-3 and three after an overtime loss to the 15th-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes and then a tight win over Purdue. But the big story out of uh, Iowa in, in women's basketball is freshman Caitlin Clark, who we've talked about before. She's averaging 25.8 points per game. She is third in the nation. Couple that with Garza, who's first in the nation men's basketball, and the Iowa Hawkeyes have two have two top scorers uh, across it's both genders. It's ridiculous for a state that is not a basketball state. It is absolutely ridiculous, um, and it's it's really good to see. So we we continue to wish her luck. And uh, Hawkeye women's basketball nine and three. You know they're not the most formidable team in the nation by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, they're they're decent. They're decent, and I think they got room to improve. Uh, and and they showed it against Ohio State. You know, they they went to the wire with them. So uh, they still have some time, and and maybe they they can make a little bit of a, a tournament noise. Not saying they'll go, you know, very far, but you know, that's not the point for them. I don't think. Yeah, we talked about it before. Of just like because I think there was a time where they were even like eight and one or or something. We're like, hey, why aren't they ranked? But it was just they hadn't gotten that that big win, and it's a shame because they were so close against Ohio State, and even the game before that, they only lost to Northwestern by 10 at Northwestern, who, who's another ranked team. So just they feel like they're they're really, really close to being, you know, one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I still fully believe that they're a tournament team, um, but they just haven't been able to quite break through. They go to number seven Maryland this week, so that'd be a hell of a win, but I'm not going to hold my that, – that's a, a pretty tall task to accomplish. Right. And I think, I think for them, I don't think Caitlin Clark goes after this year. I think she probably stays one more year. And in my head, I'm like, okay, so this is building a team for next year too. You know, like what can they get, you know, building? she's only going to get better. Yeah. So if you build a good team around her next year, especially you'll have a, you'll have a good team to talk about. So good basketball is good in the, in the state of Iowa for the right team in the state of Iowa. So we're, we're happy across the board there and uh, little NFL news. That's right. There's no college football going on, but there was a stat that came out that I wanted to mention. There is one school with more alumni in the NFL conference games than anyone else. And that school is the university of Iowa. They have nine players in the championship games the, uh, the next are tied for uh, kind of second is LSU, Michigan, Mi- Mississippi State with seven. I'm going to name those players. Let's give them a shout out. For Kansas City Chiefs, we've got Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman. For Buffalo Bills, we have Micah Hyde, uh, Ike Bucker, and AJ Epinesa. We've got Christian Kirksey and Josh Jackson for Matt's Green Bay Packers. And we've got Tristan Wirfs and Anthony Nelson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So not only the most players, but players in every single team, uh, which is just... And players so- that play. Yeah, and players that play and and are impactful players. Impactful players. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're out there and you're thinking, "What school do I go to?" It's not Bama. I'm telling you that, not Bama. It's uh, it's the Iowa Hawkeyes because you get drafted to good teams and you're still great. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you go to Bama, you'll be playing on the you'll be playing on too too many crappy teams to be there winning you Super Bowl. You might have a national championship or two, but don't you want that Super Bowl? <laughs> Don't you want that ring, baby? Come to Iowa, you'll win a Super Bowl. That's that's our recruiting pitch. That's what they should do. (laughs) Come to Iowa, win a Super Bowl, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's a good pitch. I take that pitch. I take that pitch any day. The last time the Packers won a Super Bowl, we had we might have just had one Hawkeye. We might have just had Bulaga, but hey, he was he was on the team. There you go. There you go. And uh, excited to see where the Hawkeyes go in the draft this year. I know some are dra- uh, predicted high. Some are, we'll see if they get drafted, but uh, hoping the best for all of them. 
and as we always do. I'm really sad we won't get to see Davion at the uh, at the combine. I was really excited to see what he was going to do, just like on all his measurements and stuff. So sad that that won't happen. Right? Yeah, unfortunate uh, reality of the situation we are in right now. But uh, yeah, that was Hawk Talk. Good to talk Hawkeyes at all. Oh, times. we're not going anywhere yet, Jan. Oh, we're Hawkeye not going wrestling. anywhere. Hawkeye wrestling just got started this last weekend as well. Number one ranked team in the nation. They went up against number six, Nebraska. Absolutely demolished them, 31 to six. They only lost two matches. Both matches were against top five ranked wrestlers, and even those ones were really close. Uh, Great win to start the season for, you know, a Hawkeye team who has still been good, but like Big Ten just dominates nationally. Penn State's won eight of the last nine national championships which means they've also won eight of the last nine Big Ten championships the one year Iowa did win it. Ohio State went on to win the national title. So the Hawks are in a bit of a national title drought. We haven't won one since 2010 after we won three straight. But I think this is uh, as good of a, of a Hawkeye wrestling team as Brands has had in a while. I think they got a great chance to, to bring home the national championship. Obviously, when you you know dominate the number six ranked team like that, it's, it's a pretty good sign. And then uh, this Friday, they go up against number 14, Minnesota. So another chance to, to really make a statement of just how dominant they can be, not only in the Big Ten, but nationally. And if you're dominant in the Big Ten, you're dominant nationally. There you go. All right. Same as basketball, right? <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's true. Uh, no, but uh, good to hear that wrestling's off to a good start, and we'll keep you updated on that. And if even if I don't, Matt will make sure that he does. Uh, and, uh, damn right I will, baby. Damn right I will, baby. All right, let's partner up. Let's give a shout-out from the weekend. Matthew, who is your shout-out? It's a it's an obvious one, but you know I think I do a good job of keeping him obscure. I'm going with Drew Brees. You know he's a guy who has constantly defied the odds with his play. Two undersized to play college football. Only received offers from Kentucky and Purdue. All he did as a Boilermaker was lead them to the Rose Bowl. Won the Maxwell Award. Finished top four in the Heisman voting twice. Then after you know four years with the San Diego Chargers, they wanted to move on to Philip Rivers. He also Brees also you know suffered a pretty nasty rotator cuff. Uh, kind of injury and, and surgery where a lot of teams, including the Dolphins, didn't even think he was going to come back. Like the Dolphins were like, no, nah, we're not going to offer you a contract. We don't think you'll be healthy. He ended up, of course, joining New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And even in that first season, you know, really helped kind of bring in that, that that spirit and that pride back to that that city that it's known so well for. Um, and then, of course, led them to their first and only Super Bowl in 2010. More NFL records. I, when I was like reading on just, you know, his – CV, if you will, uh, all the records he's has. He's got more records than like you can keep track of. But some of them are most career passing yards, most career pass completions, and most com- pass completions in a season. Highest completion completion percentage in a season. Highest completion p- completion percentage in a game. The list goes on and on. Um, it was announced before Sunday's game that it would be Br- Breeze's last game in the Superdome, as he's planned to retire after the season. And uh, while he said he's still, you know kind of taking his time with it. He hasn't given the official word. It does kind of seem like, you know, Father Time is caught up to number nine. But we want to thank Drew Brees for his spirit, his heart, his openness to changing his mind. You know, he he kind of had was under some hot water with the um, kneeling before the the national anthem thing, but took the time to, you know, educate himself more on it and and even grow his his viewpoint on a subject, which I think is something that we all can can learn from. Um, And just, you know, most most importantly, from from what I remember about Drew Brees, is thank you for playing some damn entertaining football. Yeah, and I've heard some <clears throat> terrible takes about Drew Brees in the last twenty four hours about how you know, despite his records, that he's somehow not as you know he's kind of not been good the last five years. So like, why you know, it's not a big loss. And I just I just don't know how you can be that stupid and say that I think that you your sports your sports talking license should be revoked for that um it's just for you to say I mean you know say what you will but True Breeze is a legend he's a hall of famer and yeah if it's the last time we've seen him he's provided nothing but entertainment and good play and uh like you said he's a good he's a, a good you know we we reserve judgments here for like who people actually are uh, as people. But he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, just a great role model as well uh, in, in the, in the sport of football. And yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunate that he had to play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, you know, you play elite, play, 
play a different team, you might be in the Super Bowl. And uh, but it, it, it does seem Father Time's cut up to him. And as as Father Time might have should, he's in his forties. Like it's not yeah. that he's weak. You know, it's, it's it's pretty insane. Like the fact that he's got a and we you know we'll talk about it a little more. But like the fact that he's got a weaker arm and he can't throw the ball. Like yeah, there are certainly some deficiencies to what Drew Brees can do now. But um, I think you know, I think he's still. He's, he's got to be. I think the thing, too, that I was reminded of, because there's that video going around of Tom Brady and Drew Brees, like, talking after the game, uh, just as, like, fathers. Tom Brady towers Drew Brees. He is so much bigger than Drew Brees. And it just reminded me how much of, like, Drew Brees isn't what a prototypical quarterback is. And the fact that he's still been so successful is, I think, all you need to say about, you know, the career that the guys had. Right, exactly. And uh, if it's the last game, will it be interesting to see uh, where New Orleans goes from here? They've got two backups that they have shown some faith in. So that'll be an interesting battle to watch. Um, that's I'm glad that you brought up Drew Brees. I think it's it's a perfect moment to bring it up. I, I brought up a little bit of an interesting one. My shout out from the weekend is Athletic Klub, a.k.a. Athletic Bilbao, who won the Supercopa de España. Hell weekend. yeah. And, you know, it's not the most important tournament. It's basically like the Community Shield in England. But let's talk about this. There's four teams in the tournament. It's Athletic Club, Real Sociedad, who we know has been good this season, La Liga, and then Barcelona and Real Madrid. So they go into the semifinals. They play Real Madrid. They beat them 2-1, braced by Raul Garcia. And everybody's like, wow, a shocker in the Supercopa. And then they go on to the final looks, to be looks, like Bar- looks like Barcelona's gonna win then since we all got knocked out, right? Right. And then Athletic Club goes beats Barcelona three to two in the final. They were down two one before a 90th minute equalizer by Villa Libre to send it to overtime. And then in in what could not, you know, for you people who don't really know La Liga football, the mo- like you have these players who play for clubs and they are the club. And and for Bill Bow, that player is in Yaki Williams, who is the Spanish striker who's been there since he was young. And he scores the 93rd minute winner uh, in overtime to, to get them the title. And and I don't know how many teams I can even count on my fingers that have in back-to-back games beaten Barcelona and Real Madrid for a title. Like, I can't think of any, actually. So <laughs> that's such a tall ask. And uh, just congratulations to them, uh, especially because they've had some coaching changes and really amazing. Yeah, even like even if if you know Barca and Real Madrid are a little bit lesser uh, than they are at some points, as, as we've kind of talked about, like that's still a pretty daunting task to be like, hey, can you beat the two best teams in the country back to back? So well done on. And I, I love Anaki Williams. He's he's dope. I I always I always expect him to go somewhere else, somewhere bigger. But um, he's doing well for Bill Bow. I wouldn't let him there go you. if I was them. No, I wouldn't either. I don't think he wants to go. You know, he's a player that likes it there. So I, I, I love that. Uh, For sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, Inyaki Williams is a G. I agree. He's just so he's so cool. Uh, let's go to the news segments from the weekend. And unfortunately, a lot of them have more to do with what's actually all of them have more to do with what's going off the field than uh, on the field. Uh, and so let's go through it. In Tennessee, there is some controversy. Uh, The University of Tennessee, the Vols, have fired football coach Jeremy Pruitt after an internal investigation that found repeated recruiting violations. It was revealed that assistant coaches with the Volunteers football team put money into McDonald's bags and handed them to recruits during visits. Uh, And so that's that's a no no. (laughs) Definitely going to be my favorite sports story of of the year. I I know we're only what nineteen days in, but that love it. Yeah, we love us a good Tennessee Big Mac. I mean, if that's what it came. (laughs) Here's your McDonald's. Oh boy, yeah, it's it's. I mean, what do you think? I'm I'm. We talked about this a little off, but like, what is your opinion on like? You know these these college football scandals where you know it happened with LSU and it's ha- and it's now it's with Tennessee. It's like I I, I just I mean I, you wondered it out loud like how many schools aren't engaging in this kind of stuff? They're all cheating. <laughs> They're all cheating. They might not all be handing money in a McDonald's bag, but like they are cheating in, in a in you know some sort of fashion. Like there's just, there's just no way they aren't. You can't convince me they aren't. And I think even the NCAA knows that. That's why like. We saw that with the, you know, the Adidas kind of basketball scandal where like Kansas was tied up with it. And I'm pretty sure Arizona's coach, Sean Miller, was like 
on a recording saying to pay DeAndre Ayton's like uncle or something like that. Like it, it's all there, but like, it's kind of one of those, it reminds me of like prohibition where like people are like alcohol is illegal, but everyone still drank. Like you're not supposed to cheat, but everyone's still cheating. And now, and every now and then they'll, you know, they'll reprimand a school. This one was done all by Tennessee's school themselves because they wanted to not have the NCAA reprimand them, which I always think is kind of a weird, like they're like, ah, we got mad at them for cheating first. So now NCAA, you don't have to do anything. Like are like the self-imposed bans to the postseason that some schools do. Um, but it's just, I mean, I'm not saying if you pay the players cheating like this is, is going to stop. It probably will still be there, but I, it won't be as prevalent. Like if you're getting paid to go play, then you don't have to pay them under the table to go play. So it's, it's something in like, as, as an issue as a whole, I don't really have a problem with them doing it because I think the players should be getting compensated. So on a very baseline, I I'm fine with it, but it does open, you know, anytime you start doing things behind closed doors or, you know, in, in the darkness, it opens the door for more, you know, evil or villain, like just, just worse things to occur than just, Hey man, here's some money. Uh, but because it's secretive, it opens a whole door of, of more, you know, possible actions that would have more ill uh, repercussions. Right. It just feels like every time, Matt, we are here talking about college sports scandals, they always point back to the fact that these players aren't getting paid. You're right. There's a reason that they weren't just handed money, that they were handed money in a McDonald's bag. It's like that's how crazy it's gotten that like they don't pay the college players and I'm and uh, just it it would eliminate it would eliminate all cheating because that's what all cheating is based on it's like how do you lure players what's the one thing they don't get from bigger schools maybe oh money so like that's how they cheat and it's just like past that there's been some things about like you know obviously we've had like the prostitute scandals and college recruiting and stuff like that but that those are rare you know those are not happening as much as the, as the paid under the, you know, with royalties and stuff like that are, are happening or paid with, you know, whatever, you know, paying the uncle or something. So I just NCAA, like you are, you are making more trouble for yourself. Like you, you have this whole thing where it's going to cost more money, but like, look at all of this that's happening now. This is like not good for your sport. This is making things complicated and, and just, uh, Every day, every day we come on this podcast and talk about the NCAA being stupid. And I'm sick of it, honestly. They, because they just are stupid. They're just morons. But yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, I, I, I'm not going to say the blanket statement of no cheating will happen. I think it'll probably still happen, but it's not going to be as just part of the culture as it would. And like you said, like the, the prostitution stuff, that sort of thing, that stuff will be harder to kind of keep hush hush if you're not already keeping hush hush payments and stuff like if if that veil of secrecy isn't already just kind of accepted by everybody in the ncaa then the, the you know the more kind of nasty stuff of prostitution or whatever you know would occur is just it's not it's not going to occur or it's going to be easier to fish out you know Right. I agree. Anyway, so Tennessee in some hot water. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt uh, fired from the program and uh, Jason Witten touted as a possible replacement. So interesting to see if the Cowboys legendary tight end uh, can get in there as a as a coach. That would be interesting. I, I think I'd like that. Hopefully he'll last longer than he did as a commentator. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, let's talk to Sean. Sorry, Jason. Oh, Jason. Let's talk to Sean Watson because we've talked about him on the podcast already, the situation. And the situation has gone from bad to monumentally, like, the worst that it could possibly have gone. And it's now reported that he's dead set on a trade. I mean, last time we talked, it seemed he wouldn't go because of that clause. Now it looks like it's clear he will. I mean, what do you think about the situation? Are the Houston Texans making the biggest mistake of the last 10, 15 years with this whole situation? And like, which team seems like a good fit for, for Deshaun Watson? I mean, they're making, they're easily making the biggest mistake. Like what, what the hell are you doing? You have, you have a franchise quarterback. That is, this isn't one of those quarterbacks that you're talking about being like, oh man, he could be really good. Or he's got all the potential or he's got like, this isn't a Kyler Murray, uh, Justin Hurt. 
Deshaun Watson is a star quarterback. He he is. He's right. He might not be up there with you know Rodgers and Mahomes right now, but he's right below them. So I, I just the the fact that this is even. I still am you know of the side that I I would be surprised if he gets traded. I know everyone's saying it's going to happen. It's still history says that top quarterbacks like this who have contracts this big don't get traded. So I, I would still I'm I'm still not going to believe it until it happens. Um, but the fact that it's even at this point, and and the fact that it's like even a room is is like insane. Like how how have you let this happen? Uh, and they really have just done it to themselves. Like it's not one of those players. that's like oh man, we just haven't performed well, and and I want to get out of this city because I, I think I can do better somewhere else. Like this franchise is actively hurt themselves. Um, as far as like good fits for Deshaun, I'm, anyone that needs a quarterback, I don't. <laughs> I don't have anyone like specific team off the top of my head, but shit, if you're the Colts, if you're uh, like the Colts, if he went in there and played in Indianapolis, they'd be a Super Bowl contender next year. Um, the Lions, the, you know, Atlanta, anybody, if like you're a team, New Orleans, like if you don't have a high draft, don't have a high draft pick. Yeah. The Patriots, like, or if you don't have a high draft pick to maybe get your quarterback of the future, it probably would be even smarter to get like, to try and go get Deshaun, but uh, I I still don't think he's going to get traded, just because, like I said, it just it doesn't happen, especially with these massive contracts nowadays. But um, it's it's insane that it's come to this, and that the Texans ownership has has allowed it, and not I guess not even allowed it have, has actively helped make it come to this. Right, and we were talking so bad about Bill O'Brien, but it does make you wonder: like, was it all Bill O'Brien? Clearly you know? not. Like, I, I don't think it was. So, you know, I, I he gets some slack after this, honestly. And um, yeah, and it really makes you wonder because we talked about like what 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 would make Deshaun happy. And you've mentioned Eric Bieniemy all the time. And now it looks like Eric Bieniemy they interviewed him. He's like on their list. But like if you're Eric Bieniemy and all these teams want you, why would you go to Houston? Like I get you get to coach Deshaun Watson, but they're a mess. Like even, and Deshaun doesn't want to be there. Why do you want to be there? So it's like. It's not the most appealing job at the moment. Right. So I, I think it's I think he's gone because here's the thing. He kind of feels like he's going to be a James Harden. Situ- we didn't think James Harden was going to leave either. And then, like, there he is, you know. So I, I think it's going to be a James Harden situation where he – But we've seen ma- NBA players in that situation get traded before, you know. It just doesn't ha- It just doesn't happen in the NFL, especially with quarterbacks. We've seen it before maybe with some players. But, like, NFL quarterbacks, they just, like, it doesn't – yeah, I mean, but like, what's he? I I just think he's going to hold out then, and like, if they want to do with that, then they'll deal with that. I just his teammates have been openly supporting him leaving, like not because they hate him, but because they're like, we don't want you here either because you don't want to be here. So it it kind of I feel like he'll hold out. That's not, that's not the way to go about. He should make it like James. He should make everyone hate him because that's when the James Harden thing changed. When the right. entire team was like, we don't fucking like this guy. That was when they're like, "All right, we we have to get rid of him." If the team, if the players are going to be this supportive of Deshaun, they're going to be like, "No, we're going to keep this dude." Right. I wonder if Deshaun, like, I would have no ill will towards Deshaun sitting out, but I don't think I don't. I'm not sure he's got it in his bones to do that. Like, I'm not sure he's wired good, that way. Yeah, he's to, a good like, guy. I think it'll come to like game time, and he's going to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to play." Yeah, I mean, he already did so much for that franchise this season when they dicked him over. Why would he, you know, do anything different this season? But um, I mean, I hope he gets traded because me I, too. He's one of my favorite players in, in the league, and I, I think you know the fact that they're just wasting away his talent is infuriating. So I hope he goes somewhere where he can actually be successful. I just well, am let, pessimistic about it. Well, let me tell you the perfect franchise for him to go to, Matthew. You ready? No. For you no. ready for this? No, no, it's not the one that you think I'm going to say. Okay, then I'll hear it. All right. So there is a team with a great head coach, with a great running back, with a good quarterback they can trade, and a good receiver, and is eighth in the draft. It is the Carolina Panthers. They have Matt Rule. They trade Teddy Bridgewater, either Robbie Anderson. I like that. DJ Moore. They have the eighth pick so the Houston Texans can get another quarterback. I mean, go for it. Because all you need is Deshaun and and Christian McCaffrey. What else do you need? <laughs> like, that's it. It's a pretty terrifying offense just right from the start. Right. And if, if you can keep one of those receivers, either Robbie or DJ – 
And then you have Curtis Samuel. I mean, that team's a Super Bowl contender. They are. Like I, And we talked about that they're like one thing off. And Teddy's great, but if they have the chance to get Deshaun, Teddy's a good fit in Houston. Yeah. I, love, I love Teddy, but like he's not right. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> right. If I'm, if I'm Carolina, I'm like, we'll give you Teddy. We'll give you Robbie Anderson. We'll give you the eighth draft pick. Give us Deshaun Watson. And then that's all you need. That's literally it. And so I, I would love that. And I, I just think that would be so exciting to then see – you know, the Saints with their new quarterback, the Bucks with Brady still, and then you have this supercharged Panthers team and the Falcons team where it looks like they're going to have a good team regardless, you know, of the trades that happen afterwards. So I think the Caroline Path- Panthers, one of the best fits. I don't think the Jaguars are going to trade away the number one. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I I think Urban Meyer wants that player to build I, off I of. wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, because that's the thing too. Like, if you can – I mean, we've seen it so many times, the formula of – we don't have to pay our, you know, quarterback that much right now. We can surround him with some more talent, but the quarterback's good enough to take it. Like I think we all expect Trevor Lawrence to be that level of quarterback where if they can put guys around him, he'll be successful enough and then you're only paying him, you know, a fraction of what you would have to pay Deshaun. Right. I think yeah, you don't look at the I don't think the Jets or the Jaguars will do that, but uh a team like the Panthers with the eight pick where you could get like a quarterback still, I like that. I like that. Um I, think, I, I, I wonder how many picks it's going to take. It might, because it it legitimately might, it probably won't take multiple first round picks because that is is so much in, in the NFL. But I think it, it'll probably have to be like a first and two twos or like, there's going to have to be at least one first round pick. But I think the trade, no matter what happens with Deshaun, I think it's going to have to be, it's going to be whatever team is willing to part with the most draft picks. Because that's, I think it means more to like. I think the Texans will will want more draft picks than you know getting even Teddy Bridgewater or something. So I think it's just going to be like, what team is committed? And I think Deshaun is probably worth a lot of draft picks. Like that's yeah, how important no, he is. He a is. quarterback like that is. So if the price is is high, but still, you know, yeah, it might it might be worth a high price. Uh, I just would love to see Matt Rule and Deshaun Watson together. That's terrifying. Joe and Joe Brady Ter- up there, ter- offensive, offensive coordinator. Like we saw what he did with with Joe Burrow, Joe Brady and and Deshaun would be so much fun. Oh gosh, well we can only hope. Uh, but yeah, I that is the news from the weekends. That is was fun to talk about, you know. And then we have the news. The last thing that I'll say uh, today: the Mets fire GM Jared Porter after harassment was uncovered from 2016 involving a female reporter. You know it. It's really. It's disgusting regardless. And, and you know, he, he sent like over 60 messages to this woman, even though she was ignoring him and then ended it with a really lewd photo and, you know, disgusting in every sense of the word. But like, especially disgusting when you think about it this way, this woman came to the U.S. to, to, to report on baseball, which is what she loved. And now you know what she does? She works in finance because she was harassed out of what she loves. Like, I... That breaks my heart that she couldn't do what she wanted to do because a man decided that her being a woman meant more to him than her doing her job, you know, and it's disgusting. I'm glad he, I'm glad he got fired. I I hope that he never works in an organization again. And, and yeah, just another sad example of, of men taking advantage of their power in sports. Just a, psychopath i mean right and make him go work and find like anybody that texts anybody that much without a response is just like like what the hell is wrong with you i was talking about this with some of my friends too i i don't i just don't understand the unsolicited dick pic i no idea no i don't want to you know i don't want to make too much light of of, of a serious situation but where the hell do these dudes get the confidence to be like you know what i'm gonna send them a picture of my dick I know they're just hanging out. It's the middle of the day. They didn't ask for it. But how? I wish I had an ounce of that confidence because that is the most insane thing in the world to me. I don't want to just start sending random pictures of my penis. I, where do you right. get the gall? Right. And it's just – I for any men out there, if she ignores 59 texts, it doesn't matter what the – For anyone. For anyone. But like if – I, what did he think was going to happen? Like what? If nobody's responding that much, take the fucking hint. Do yourself a favor. They don't want to talk to you. Right. Uh, it's it, it was beyond belief. And then his excuse of like, oh, those were stock images. I'm like, oh, so like 
You're saying instead of sending a picture of your own dick, you found a stock image of That's weirder. That's weirder. That's worse. That's worse. Oh, boy. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and people are, again, talking about it like, oh, the Mets, they had such a good offseason. This is going to kind of, like, throw them back in the – it doesn't matter what the Mets – the Mets are going to be fine. The Mets, you know, it doesn't matter what it does to the Mets. It mattered more that this person is not allowed to be in a position of leadership anymore and – yeah, that excuse to me that he gave just showed me how little regard he had for it, you know, because he was just like so a maniac. Like, I, yeah, those times maniac. Just like, how the hell did you like, how did you get to this job? Because the way that your brain works seems ass like just asinine to me, like just absolutely absurd. So what were you doing beforehand to be successful enough to become the Mets GM? Because you seem like an absolute moron. Right. And you know what? This is what I love about me and Matt talking about this. Often when we bring up these these conversations about these men in power doing these awful things, this is how men have to react. Like, yes, it's with action. And yes, it's with like talking about it because we're the ones that have to make the change because, you know, it's in society men, you know, just have more of the power still in those organizations, but also like just making fun of it. Because this is ridiculous to us. Like this is absolute shame. Hilarity. Shame. Like, honestly, we should shame them. This isn't funny. This isn't cool. You're not powerful by doing this. You're a creep. You're weird. You're a maniac. So we should just shame them. That's not a, so if, not a cool move. Yeah, it's not. You don't, I don't know what you did. That, like, I just think you're pathetic. Like, any of my being, friends were like, hey, dude, guess what? This, this girl I've been kind of flirting with, I just sent her a dick pic out of nowhere. I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't. Right. If she asked for it, go ahead. I don't care. Do, do whatever right. the hell you want. That's your, but like, just if you, if one of my buddies told me they unsolicitedly were just like, yep, just send her a picture of my junk. I would have so many questions for that individual. Right. And it's not even that, Matt. It's like one of your friends said, hey, you know, that girl that wasn't answering me, I think I got the solution. Yeah, I, <laughs> like- <laughs> I figured it out. I know she didn't respond to the first 60 texts, but I got something that's going to reel her back in. It's, it's You have to think you have the most gorgeous penis in the world to have that lo- sort of logic going through your head. Right. And like, spoiler alert, men, penises inherently not gorgeous. Inherently ugly. Heinous <laughs> looking. Heinous <laughs> looking. They're terrible. Uh, uh, no, but- you can trust us. We've been living with them for over 20. They're not attractive to look at. Every time I get in the shower, I'm disgusted with myself. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) I sent myself an unsolicited dick pic (laughs) of my own penis, I would be disgusted. I would be like, you maniac. (laughs) What the fuck, me? Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, uh, he's fired. Jared Porter, if you're listening to this, we think you're trash and and you deserve all the hate coming. You stop listening to us. Everyone else, we always reference that might be listening we want them to but we don't want your support porter there you go there and if you have been listening and you think we somehow be on your side then you also haven't been listening very clearly yeah that's fair uh yeah stop Uh, dude just stop man just stop